Well, thank you so much for inviting me to come and speak today. Um, and uh, I suppose I should say at the beginning that, it's, that my talk is, is not just about hiring wet nurses, but also about maternal breastfeeding um, in 17th century England. Um, so, I know this is an incredibly long quote, but I think it's important to provide context. I'm not expecting you to read all of it. Um, the Yorkshire gentlewoman, Alice Thornton, detailed her nine pregnancies um, and births in great detail in a three-volume manuscript um, of her meditations, which has just recently been bequeathed to the British Library. I was in a private collection before, um, which is brilliant news for me, um, because now I can access it, uh, whereas before we only had the uh, kind of transcribed... Uh, poorly transcribed coffee. Um, so in February uh, 1654, Alice Thornton had two young children, a newborn, Elizabeth, and a toddler, Nally. Um, and the weeks following Elizabeth's, uh, the, uh, the birth of Elizabeth were tense and filled with anxiety, while Alice struggled to recover from a, diff a difficult pregnancy and an equally difficult birth. Nally, her toddler, was suffering from sporadic and dramatic fits. Um, and this uh, disruption caused Alice to... Um, lose her breast milk. Um, despite a respite in Nally's fits, Alice noticed she was um, eventually able to breastfeed um, Elizabeth every day, and I was overjoyed in the great blessing. The hiatus in Nally's poor health was brief, and one particular dramatic convulsive fit made Nally's skin appear black, um, and you can see there, I apologise that this is a bit gruesome, um, uh, and Alice recalled uh, sitting in a chair and giving her newborn suck while, uh, when the nurse caring for Nally screamed and declared um, that she was uh, lifeless. Alice was instantly incapacitated by her worry and was carried to bed, confined and rendered unable to care for either of her children. Thankfully, both Nally and Alice eventually recovered from their respective ailments. In Nally's case, um, that this, uh, it was attributed to teething, um, and, uh, and eventually Alice returns to her normal duties and um, her breast milk returns. Um, uh, this episode had greater repercussions for Alice's role as a breastfeeding mother, however, and she noted that Nally's final fit did so encourage my dear mother that she uh, would not let me give suck, although I extremely desired it, and at the month's end I was forced to dry my breasts, which grew full and had endangered to bring me ill again. So unable to breastfeed herself as a 17th century woman, Alice's choices were limited. She could opt to dry nurse Elizabeth on cow's milk or pottage, which is a practice that, although it enjoyed a very brief period of popularity, was largely discouraged by medical and prescriptive writers alike. Alternatively, she could uh, obtain a wet nurse, something historians have argued was the norm in pre-18th century England for wealthy and middling families like the Thorntons. Alice chose the latter, and this seems to fit the conventional narrative. However, there are a number of surprising revelations to be gained from Alice's record of failed maternal breastfeeding. First of all, maternal breastfeeding was her first choice, rather than um, automatically um, assuming, you know, automatically hiring a, a, a wet nurse. And it was only maternal and infant illness and family pressure which led her to hire a wet nurse. Secondly, rather than hire a so-called country nurse, um, a professional wet nurse hired, uh, sorry, uh, located far from the parental home, Alice approached a family friend, Daphne Lightfoot, um, which you can see uh, on the uh, slide there. Um, and Daphne, we know from other entries in Alice's meditations, was um, a sometimes um, servant, um, but mainly a, a family friend, um, and she was quite a major figure in um, other illnesses um, in the family's life at certain points. Um, however, in, in, in none of these situations did Daphne's assistance tessellate with our traditional concept of what a wet nurse would be. 
Um, Daphne was first and foremost, as I said, a family friend. And you can see here that Daphne um, continued to breastfeed Elizabeth until the child was three quarter, uh, quarters of a year old, by which time Daphne herself was pregnant, which in early modern medical texts um, meant that she was unsuitable to breastfeed any longer. So it was only at this point that Alice seemingly sought a professional nurse, and she noticed she put Elizabeth to another. And this nurse was... Um, a considerable distance from the family home um, and she notes that it was uh, extremely upsetting and, and difficult that she wasn't able to visit so regularly. So this quite lengthy passage in Thornton's Reflections explode many of our historical assumptions about 17th century motherhood and infant care. Firstly, I think it's striking that Alice writes very candidly about breastfeeding and breast milk in a way that suggests maternal health was not something those of upper and middling families such as the Thorntons found embarrassing or inappropriate for discussion, which has been an argument in previous histories um, of pre-modern uh, wet nursing and, and infant care. Alice's meditations were penned um, as an, uh, with the explicit aim of rescuing an ailing reputation um, and, she, and these were circulated publicly within the church, these three volumes that she, that she wrote. So she must then have found her mothering practices, including her decision to breastfeed and her selection of a nurse, somehow beneficial to her godly maternal identity. Secondly, the description of breastfeeding her child in a chair suggests this is not act, an activity necessarily con uh, confined to private bedrooms or hidden from servants and other household members. And this is a very rare glimpse of the physical performance of breastfeeding, um, which so far I've found very little evidence of elsewhere. Um, thirdly, her mother's intervention in not letting her breastfeed reveals something in the participatory environment of infant care in early modern England. It suggests that there were recognisable circumstances in which medical advice promoting maternal breast as best um, were waived for the benefit of um, infant and maternal health. And it suggests that hiring a nurse could be constructed not necessarily as a negligent choice, but as a decision of a good and careful mother. Finally, Alice's decision to hire Daphne, who was not solely a wet nurse but also a family friend, complicates the binary that historians have applied to mothers in early modern England into those that breastfed and those that did not. Alice did both, and although she would prefer to have breastfed, there is little suggestion that the decision to hire a wet nurse was motivated by anything other than concern for her child and her own health. Wet nursing has held something of an emblematic status in older histories of the family. Scholars such as Edward Shorter, Lawrence Stone, um, have argued that early modern women chose to ignore religious and medical arguments um, in favour of maternal breastfeeding and placed their own convenience above infant health. Breastfeeding, Stone argued, was invariably seen by mothers as a nuisance, interfering with sleep and the normal round of social engagements. Um, and I'm sure this is an argument that you are um, quite familiar with. Um, Stone's family sex and marriage was centred around the proposition that when levels of infant, infant mortality dropped in the 18th century, children became more of a worthwhile investment as an object of affection and care by parents. And this, he argues, results in a profound shift um, of attitudes towards family life in general, which directly led to an increase in maternal breastfeeding. And the other major historiographical contribution to the history of pre-modern infant feeding has been the work of um, Valerie Files. Files' doctoral work and subsequent publications sought to dispel the wholly negative uh, characterisation of early modern parents as invariably cruel. Um, and she shows that wet nurses were, in fact, often caring um, and affectionate towards their charges. 
Her presumption, however, was that when infants were sent to wet nurses, it was out of parental ambivalence. In contrast, those few examples of women who did breastfeed their infants early on, and uh, she says, had great love for their children and experienced hopeless grief at their deaths. Now, the parental effect, uh, effect battle has been long fought and won, notably by Linda Pollock, um, who, through careful archive research, showed that at least middling and upper sort early modern parents were, in fact, caring and deeply troubled when their offspring were unwell or died. However, infant feeding, I think, remains something of a thorn in the uh, historian of the, um, the early modern family side. Uh, historians continue to unquestioningly assume that prior to the 18th century, children were almost invariably sent away to a wet nurse for the first months or years of their life, um, which has meant that it's kind of fallen out of favour, save for a, a recent article by Victoria Sperry, um, which is on the language um, of breastfeeding in, in, in literature. Um, Nora Doyle and Ruth Perry both begin their examinations of the 18th century of 18th century motherhood from the assumption that something must have changed, um, which made parents more aware of infant health, um, and thus opted, opted for maternal breastfeeding, for in, in 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 their terms for practice to follow propaganda. So it's, it, it is this view that's blocked the consideration of alternative ways of understanding maternal breastfeeding. Um, and I'm not a, a demographer, but these are the stats that um, Linda Pollock uses um, to talk about this. Um, so I've only picked the British ones. She examines American and British breastfeeding. Um, but I, I mean, I think there aren't that many um, examples that she can um, bring to bear on, on this. And, and further, I think it's complicated by the fact that inevitably there are going to be more sources that survive in the 18th century from the 17th century. Um, and she, she's using um, uh, diaries and letters to um, make these assumptions. But I think as, or, or something striking about this as well is um, in, in, in comparison to um, the breastfed and wet nurse figures, how many parents were using both methods. So, yeah, we can see that certainly um, the proportion of women who chose to breastfeed um, increases in the 18th century, um, according um, to um, Pollock. Um, <coughs> Um, if a medical and religious prescriptive texts invariably promoted br- maternal breastfeeding, why then did any 17th century middling sort mothers opt for a wet nurse? Um, and this paper will show that, in fact, wet nursing was often the second option for the majority of families, um, and that careful research and thought accompanied the selection and employment of a nurse. Furthermore, I'll argue that we've been all too ready to group the choices that were not maternal breastfeeding together, um, whereas the example of Alice Thornton um, shows that, in fact, women were often seeking assistance with infant feeding on a much more casual and ad hoc basis from friends and neighbours. Um, and I'm going to investigate this um, pluralistic um, uh, that, that both methods were used. Breastfeeding was explained by 17th century medical writers as the most wholesome and suitable sustenance that a mother could provide her child. This was because breast milk was understood to be blood that had nourished the baby in the womb, purified and redirected to the breasts. As Thomas Moffat explained, breast milk seemeth to be nothing but white blood, or rather the abundant part of blood whited in the breasts of such creatures as are ordained by nature to give suck. Um, and the German medical writer Michael at Mullerus concluded, um, uh, sorry, concurred, saying that breast milk was the nutritious juice which the child was acquainted with in the womb, and thus it would be the most natural and easy nourishment, since customary food is always easy of digestion. 
um, early breast milk, which we now term colostrum, um, which is generally off-white um, in colour and can vary in consistency, um, was in the early one period deemed to be unhealthy for infants. Um, and so this uh, generally medical texts say that women should express this early milk um, and that the best, most nutritious breast milk would be that that was um, from a woman who'd been breastfeeding for a, con- a considerable amount of time. For this reason, medical authors suggested, as I said, that um, women should um, express this milk um, and wait up to a week after birth to breastfeed. Um, and, and, and they uh, are recommended to call on a family member to um, get rid of this or even a puppy, um, which does sound, sound like a very uh, kind of gruesome, odd thing to, to mention. But I think, again, this um, reflects on the participatory environment that surrounds infant care and decisions um, about breastfeeding or rather infant feeding. Um, Victoria Sperry, um, as I mentioned before, has recently considered how breast milk might have been thought to shape and influence the infant long after birth. Um, Jacques Willemot stated that for as she nurse him, he sucks and draws her own blood. Sperry considers what Helkiah Crick described as the maternal body's more matter in the context of early modern English literature. And she argues that the production of breast milk was not simply an evacuation for the mother, um, but a flow that continued to connect mother and child. Thus, from a purely infant-centred view, maternal breast was the choice of continuity. The infant was used to being nourished by the matter of the womb, and it was this same substance um, that sustained it after birth. And not only was maternal breast milk seen as physically appropriate for infants, but breastfeeding was seen by 16th and 17th century writers as an inherently intimate act, and one that would promote effective ties between mother and child. The willingness and enjoyment of the physical act of holding and nourishing the baby was interpreted as being correspondent to love. The two, breastfeeding and love, were therefore enmeshed so as to suggest that one stimulated um, the other. Jacques Willemot, the French author um, of the translated The Happy Delivery of Women, posited that natural affection could never be as earnest either from the mother towards the child or from the child toward the mother if she have not nursed him and given him suck. Breastfeeding then was configured as a cyclical process. The desire to breastfeed was both sponsored by maternal affection and led to a deepening of ties. So a crucial tenet to this argument was the understanding of breastfeeding as the continuation of the act of nourishment of pregnancy, um, which I've already mentioned. So in this vein, although women didn't actively choose to nourish the child in the womb, they had to make a choice after birth about uh, nourishing their infant. And I think that this is what is important to the characterisation of a breastfeeding mother as being godly um, and altruistic. The Welsh medical writer John Jones argued as early as 1579 that what counted in constituting the maternal-infant relationship was not the period of pregnancy, um, um, but to hold it um, and hear it in her feeble and weak arms, to swaddle it daily on her loving lap and to give it suck with her her own most tender breasts that led led to an undoubted token of absolute kindness and friendship. And this idea continued in medical texts right through the 17th century. Robert Barrett similarly noted in 1699 that uh, that recently delivered women heap labour upon labour, changing the night's trouble with the day's unquietness, suffering it to taste no other milk because of the love they bore their children. He theorised if nature had not obliged them with stronger ties, such women would have declined nourishing the child within the womb and after birth. 
The physical struggles of pregnancy and delivery thus only march the beginning of a woman's labour to care and nourish her child. Maternal affection was thus something um, inscribed and, in, and expected by medical authors. And the manifestation of this in physical terms was the tactile physical care of attending to one's baby, of which breastfeeding was central. The Countess of Lincoln's Nursery, um, a polemic text encouraging upper sort women to breastfeed their infants, similarly subscribed to the view that the desire to be physically close to one's infant sprang from maternal affection. Elizabeth Clinton, uh, the Countess of Lincoln, uh, reflected on her daughter-in-law Bridget's motherhood, and she stated the mother's affection is so knit by nature's law to her tender babe as she finds no power to deny to suckle it, not even if her own life were in hazard by attending on it. Clinton's text was penned as something of a kind of a public confession um, that she herself hadn't breastfed. Um, and she states that I know and acknowledge that I should have done it and having not done it it was not for want of a will in myself but partly I was overruled by another's authority and partly deceived by some uh, some's ill counsel and partly I had not so well considered of my duty in this motherly office as since I did when it was too late for me to put it into execution um, and in compensation, so her two acts of compensation are that she says she's going to show double love to my children and by um, writing this text and publishing it to try and um, encourage other women to, um, to, to breastfeed. Uh, so she provides various biblical examples. Um, and I think, again, the, the, the notion of choice um, uh, and maternal affection create this kind of odd paradox in that... Um, it should be an uncontrollable instinct, but at the same time you have to make a choice um, to perform that act. So she states that Eve's decision to breastfeed Cain, Abel and Seth um, is praiseworthy, not because of the mere necessity, because no other woman was created, but because she had true natural affection which moved her to do it gladly. Likewise, Sarah, wife of Abraham, according to Clinton, took great comfort and delight therein, as in a duty well-pleasing to herself. Um, so the choice that she presented women um, was essentially the same as male medical and religious authors between submitting to a natural um, impulse um, uh, and, and, and again this kind of paradox between um, feeling the pull to, to breastfeed um, but also having to make an altruistic choice. Um, the effective bonds created by breastfeeding um, in 17th century texts between mother and child were not thought to terminate with infancy Breastfeeding was recognised by medical authors um, as an act that could secure reciprocal love and honour between parent and offspring into adulthood. Um, Willemot posited that when the breastfed infant comes to years of discretion, they will find themselves bound to their mother, both that she had nursed him, watched him and often made him clean. Thus it was not merely the act of nourishing which was thought to impart the qualities of the fetus of the infant, but also the physically intimate acts of care, of nursing, watching and cleaning, all incorporating bodily touch. Um, and this is what my PhD deals with in more detail, as these other acts, aside from feeding um, uh, in infant care. Um, uh, and Guillermo, uh, borrowing from um, Plato, posited that children would never love their parents so well that their fathers do often bear them in their arms and mothers give them suck at their own breasts. And I think this is an interesting reflection because it's suggesting that, um, that it's not just a maternal duty to be physically close and involved in, um, in infant care. 
The diaries and letters of parents indicate that the general acceptance of the claim of medical writers that maternal breastfeeding would deepen um, the mother uh, between the mother and infant. Um, and this is particularly visible in the discussion of the first separation of the child from home. Um, departure from the household even at a young age was deemed to be more emotionally grievous um, if the mother had breastfed her infant. Simmons used, for example, um, relayed in his autobiography um, how at the age of 20 weeks he was sent to a wet nurse to restore his ailing health. Um, and uh, his mother is, is, is completely distraught um, at the fact that he has to leave um, the home. And, uh, and she states that the reason why she's so upset about it um, is that she nursed him herself for the space of 20 weeks. Um, and she insists on staying very close to the wet nurse's house um, uh, because she's so so devastated um, by this. And not only did early modern medical writers define the breast milk of um, a mother as the most natural and healthful choice, but religious arguments constructed constructed breastfeeding as a godly duty of a pious mother. Um, On the 17th of October in 1658, um, Henry Smith provided the biblical example of Sarah. Sarah gave suck to the child. Uh, Though a great woman, a rich woman, an aged woman, reproof to those that out of niceness and fineness refused to do that office of love to their little ones when no necessity. Um, So uh, Smith's sermon was directed um, at the women in his congregation to breastfeed their own infants, regardless of their status, finances and age, as opposed to hiring a wet nurse. I think a number of things are striking about Smith's observations. Firstly, it might seem perplexing to a modern reader that Smith would address address the entire congregation about the merits of breastfeeding. Um, Secondly, is the emphasis on choosing to breastfeed infants, as I've noted before, when there is no necessity. Um, And the painful act of childbirth and Reformation religiosity was seen as a necessary act of penance for Eve's original sin something that's been explored in the work on the early modern life cycle um, quite commonly. Um, The prominence of breastfeeding in Marian iconography, an analogy of breast milk as akin to receiving one's faith and instruction from God, meant that there was space in religious ideologies for breastfeeding to be configured as a godly act. Thomas Shepard, for example, described the gift of eternal life as being laid in the bosom of Christ when suckling the breasts of the grace of Christ. Maternal breastfeeding was then something that women could draw on for their own spiritual credit. When mothers possessed the milk, health and disposition to breastfeed, um, as Alice Thornton observed she had after recovering from illness in 1654, then God was praised. Um, A plaque in um, St Mary Church in Edwardston, um, Suffolk, to Benjamin uh, Brand and his wife reads, When Providence, after 35 years' conjunction, divided... Death after 12 days divorce him, reunited, who, leaving their rare example to six sons and six daughters, all nursed with her unborrowed milk. Um, so when it was a success, breastfeeding one's own children could add to a mother's spiritual reputation and was honourable enough to include um, on a dedicatory epitaph. Um, having milk was something to be thankful to God for, um, in 1639, a wet nurse reassured Sir Simmons to use and his wife that, I thank God I have my health and I'm well and have a good store of milk. Likewise, Ralph Jocelyn um, observed on a number of occasions that his wife was blessed with breast milk. 
So one must ask then, given the promotion of maternal breastfeeding in both medical and religious prescriptive material, why did an early modern woman ever choose to hire a wet nurse? David Harley has proposed that in, 17th century, uh, that in the 17th century, breastfeeding was promoted only within a certain Calvinist um, middling sort uh, family that had a direct and professional involvement in the church. Um, and he places individuals such as um, uh, Henry Smith um, within this um, milieu and Henry Newcomb um, within this milieu of, of, of kind of uh, promoting the ideology of, of maternal sacrifice. Harley argues that over the 17th century, as Protestantism became more entrenched, religious conduct manuals succeeded in the popular acceptance of maternal breastfeeding. However, I think he unfairly sets up a division between medical and religious authors. Medical authors use biblical examples, as we've seen, um, uh, and uh, I think that we can see in, in religious texts that um, authors are also drawing on, um, on medical notions and expressing that they, they express that the reason one ought to breastfeed is not just that it's godly, but also that it is important for infant health. Um, furthermore, um, both religious and medical writers shared a providential outlook, meaning that the absence of milk could be read as a signal of God's will, just as much as the presence of milk. Nature in both uh, genres, and I use that in inverted commas as a quote from these texts, was crucial to the argument in supporting breastfeeding. Religious writers stated that the inability to lactate or nurse one's child um, into good health was a punishment from God, which could be remedied by prayer and fasting. Henry Smith thus explained um, in his preparative to marriage, dry breasts are named for a curse. What lamentable hap have gentlewomen to light upon this curse more than others? Sure, if their breasts be dry as they say, they should fast and pray together. This curse might be removed. However, in practice, these same Calvinists do not seem to have applied this harsh view of providence um, in their own families. In 1697, Matthew Henry, um, the Presbyterian minister, wrote to his mother on the health of his baby daughter, Nancy. Um, uh, he relayed that he and his wife had returned from travelling to find her close to death. He wrote, the doctor was very apprehensive of her peril and imputed it to the badness of her mother's milk and absolutely forbid her, his wife, to nurse it any longer. Uh, Matthew recorded that the doctor's judgment put his wife in much ado. She had desired to breastfeed her infant herself. But despite these inclinations, the possibility of securing um, long, the long-term health of Nancy through hiring a wet nurse took precedence over any joy she might have had in continuing the act. Matthew told his mother, we got a wet nurse into the house. Um, uh, the change of nurse seems to have fulfilled what the doctor hoped because Matthew concluded his letter by stating that through the blessing of God, Nancy is now pretty healthy again, although she's not so well nor so strong as it was before it fell ill. He further observed that she, the nurse, is an orderly lady and the child taken to her breast very well. Um, on another occasion when his wife was unwell and it was feared that she would lose her milk, um, uh, he wrote to his mother again stating, We are still kept waiting on our God, who I will trust will make all work for the best to them that love and depend on him. Um, so, I mean, Matthew Henry is um, one of the, uh, a key figure that Harley quotes as, as being part of this Calvinist sect. But you can see that actually the suggestion that um, an absence of milk or difficulties breastfeeding was directly linked to a specific sin um, is, is not present in practice. So hiring a wet nurse then could be constructed not merely as neglecting or failing to do a duty that one ought to do, but as obedience to God's will. 
Divine Providence had determined that a woman had lost her milk or was struggling to breastfeed, and to continue to do so would not only be disobedient, but also threaten the life of the infant. Um, medical writers, in addition to religious um, ones, similarly allow for the possibility that on some occasions, hiring a wet nurse rather than breastfeeding oneself could be justified um, if the mother was unable to lactate or if milk had become corrupted and stagnant. In the place of maternal breastfeeding, writers advocated a strict regime of careful deliberation of who to employ and regular visitations of the child at nurse. And this represents, I suppose, something of a compensatory measure to maintain active maternity. Uh, Michael et Muller uh, stated that regardless of maternal milk being the most natural and easy nourishment, the milk of a sickly woman, whether mother or nurse, is improper. So uh, one such example is... Um, from the, and again, I know that that is a horrendously long quote, but the bo- bits in bold are the important bits. Um, so, of the Jews family, which I've, I've previously mentioned, um, so in an undated letter, um, which is at the British Library, um, Joan Elliot wrote to her sister Andy Hughes regarding the health of Anne's newborn and was breastfeeding her son herself against the apparent advice of other family members and medical authorities. Joan stated, If my advice might have prevailed, then the child would never have sucked that stale milk. This is an interesting implication for how much families were engaged in the prenatal diagnosing of health complications. It suggests that they decided before she'd given birth that somehow her breast milk would be unsuitable. Um, And it's not quite clear why this is, because the the previous letters don't survive. Um, Joan instructed Anne to choose a wet nurse and to allow the wet nurse to live within the household. Um, If it, the child, uh, were mine, I could have it in the house where you may see the ordering of it yourself and feed the nurse at one of your own trenches. She added that in her opinion, infants should never be kept from sleep or suck, which I know has been the way of very good doctors in this case, but let it have a full breast of new milk at command and all the quiet and content. So this is something that Anne can't provide. um, And so um, a wet nurse is is, is, is a far better choice. Um, And I think it's striking how um, central concerns regarding infant and maternal health are in this this vignette. Um, More important than the perceived spiritual duty to breastfeed was the fact that the infant demanded breast milk, which was believed to have been of higher quality if it was from um, a nurse in this example. Um, The aforementioned example of of Nancy Henry um, narrates a similar trajectory of events. A wet nurse was found because Matthew's... uh, Matthew's wife's milk uh, was deemed to have been corrupted or stale, and the child's health was suffering. Um, and, and both of these examples, um, they house the wet nurse within their own household, um, which is something that has previously been argued was not done by um, middling and, and upper sort families. Uh, the arguments that they always send the child away um, to wet nurse. And there appears to have been an impulse to stress that considerable care and concern had been taken with the selection of the nurse. I think it's important to note that Matthew Henry um, argues that the, the nurse they've chosen is an orderly lady um, and that his and his wife are aware of the infant's health while at nurse. The phrase good nurse is one that recurs again and again in correspondence and diaries. Um, James Fretwell, uh, for example, observed in his diary that when his sister gave birth, um, the child, uh, she was advised to, to get a wet nurse, um, and he notes that she did so with a good nurse. Um, similarly, when Joan Slaney wrote to her nephew about the birth of his son in 1709, um, she hoped that he'd found a good nurse, um, and she offers an alternative one, if he 
if he believes that he hasn't, which is a slightly odd construction that someone would willingly go in to find a bad nurse. But um, So an important part of playing this role of being a good nurse was regularly reporting on the health um, of the charge to the parents. Um, so in other words, I think communication um, is often more important than um, the looks or, or physical attributes of the nurse. Um, so not disclosing infant health, uh, sorry, infant illness might mean that parents would miss the opportunity to shift their child onto a healthier, more caring nurse, um, and thus was a central concern. Elizabeth Freck, for example, criticised the wet nurse she'd hired because she'd failed uh, to get in touch to tell her that her son had broken his leg. Um, and as a, as a result, she, she blames the nurse for maiming him for life. So examining correspondence reveals often considerable effort and thought was put into all of the possible infant feeding options, including wet nursing. In those circumstances in which infant illness occurred after the first vulnerable months had passed, weaning was considered. Sir John Mordaunt, for example, wrote to his wife Penelope about the fears for his daughter um, at nurse. Weaning was considered and he asked his wife whether they could bring the infant home so that his wife um, could nurse her with a sucking bottle. And this suggests that, once again, the decision to send a child to a wet nurse or to withdraw the baby from one was made because both parents deemed it to be the best option for securing the health of the infant. Um, the mention of a sucking bottle, which um, Files has noted was used to aid women in expressing milk, suggests that the reason they hired a wet nurse in the beginning may have been because um, Lady Penelope was having difficulties successfully lactating. Unfortunately, the decision-making process, again, is absent, and this frustratingly happens all of the time. Um, in this case, it's probable that infant feeding was discussed in written correspondence because John Morden was away from the family home visiting uh, the infant. And although that we know a number of contraptions existed to help women express breast milk, it's unclear in this instance for what use the sucking bottle was intended, um, whether this was meant to contain an, somebody else's milk, um, an artificial mix of ingredients, um, or even Lady Penelope's breast milk. Um, and we gain, we gain however, um, much the specificities of, of this substance of feeding um, is obscured, a glimpse of how active early modern mothers were expected to be in the process of postnatal care, um, of which feeding was a crucial part. Um, in a similar example, in uh, 1626, Lady Brilliana Harley wrote to her husband, um, Robert, informing him that the wet nurse they had employed had fallen ill, and thus he shall be weaned, and I hope God will bless him to the food which many lives by. The infant appears to have been nursed at home, which suggests yet again that this is not a wholly uncommon practice for middling and upper families. As I suggested in my introduction, one option that might be more palatable to parents in hiring an unknown wet nurse was to ask a family friend to carry out the task. When Ralph Jocelyn and his wife travelled to Colchester um, six months after the birth of their daughter, Jane, they asked a former servant to serve as a temporary wet nurse. On the same occasion, they asked Mrs Mary Church, a close family friend, to serve as a carer for their other children. Um, I think here the role of the nurse becomes blurred because they use the term um, for both um, somebody who might breastfeed and also somebody who might care for the child. And I think there's the suggestion that Mary Church may have performed that duty in the past, but doesn't anymore. So, um, and, and, and the tie between um, Mary Church and uh, the Jocelyn children, the Jocelyn family, um, is so strong that in 1651, when um, Ralph Jocelyn Sr.'s um, son dies, um, he notes that um, 
Mrs. Mary Church and um, his son Ralph are buried together in the church, um, remarking that God hath taken from me a choice special friend as well as a son. It's unclear whether Ralph meant um, that his son and Mary Church had been buried side by side or whether they'd shared a funerary service. Um, But either way, the example reveals that sometimes a wet nurse was a figure that was extremely close and respected by the parents. Although um, Valerie Fielders um, argued that uh, families rarely visited their infants while they were away at nurse, middle, uh, middling sort families appear to have done this with considerable regularity. When they did not, it seems to have not been out of indifference, but because the wet nurse had been chosen on the basis of good reputation rather than her proximity to the family home, suggesting that love and welfare of infants took precedence over convenience in the choices women made. Parents made the decision about which wet nurse to send their child to on the basis of what it was thought most likely to preserve their health rather than the ability to frequently visit. On occasions such as these, um, parents often asked relatives to visit the child on their behalf. Um, Elizabeth Frack, for example, chose to leave her son in England when she was um, with her father in Ireland, and she recorded um, that her sister um, and other relatives um, visit the child and, and, and the child's unwell, so they remove, um, in an executive decision, they remove the child from that nurse. Um, Similarly, Lady Fanshawe travelled to London in 1648 without her infant son, and she sent him to the same nurse that had taken care of his brother. Um, And I think this recurs again and again. I think in the um, Henry case, then also they they send um, the child to a nurse that they've already had um, contact with. Um, So I think there's a suggestion that also the siblings might give each other comfort um, and facilitate the kind of the family unit within this... um, alien environment. Um, uh, Bolsterhead Whitelock recorded that his father had requested um, uh, that the nurse that fed him was the nurse that had fed um, his, uh, his, sorry, the, 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 the child, the daughter of the wet nurse that had fed his father, which is a slightly odd um, uh, suggestion, but I think that um, the belief is that somehow, because his father was uh, fed on this breast milk, then the relative of, a, uh, of th- that woman might also possess the same kind of humorally suitable um, milk. So mothers in early modern England were expected to continue investing time and interest in the progress of their children, even when they were away at wet nurses. Um, and... Uh, and, and, and this is inscribed um, in, in, as I said, in a strict visitation schedule, and also the suggestion that mothers ought to surprise wet nurses to uncover untoward behaviour. Um, all of the families um, explored uh, here today uh, appear to have visited their infants at nurse. Um, and this engaged parental care and constantly monitoring the health and happiness of infants at nurse um, implies a certain trust in the maternal intuition of women to diagnose health problems in their children and to find remedies. Um, and this recurs again and again that although a child may have been sent to a wet nurse, um, it's ultimately the mother that can cure any health problems that result um, from this um, uh, from uh, from being with a nurse. Um, Alice Thornton recalled an injury she sustained as an infant when she hit her head um, and sliced open uh, while her nurse was busy attending to her brother. And she notes that it's her mother, with her medical skills, who's able to mend um, her cut um, and make such a perfect cure that there's no scar. Um, 
And uh, similarly, uh, Bolshoi Whitelock, who I mentioned before, um, the lawyer and parliamentarian, represented his mother in his memoirs as active despite being at a wet nurse. Um, he records that he was visited regularly by his mother and was eventually removed when the diet the nurse was giving her infant was judged not pleasing nor thriving to the child. And upon these and other such passages, she took home her child from the nurse. And I think this chimes with them. Um, writer's paranoia that a great many nurses might pretend to breastfeed while actually feeding their nurse children the cheapest scraps that they could afford. Um, and the fact that Bolstrode was taken home briefly before sent to a different wet nurse suggests that his mother had also decided he was not fit on, um, or old enough to be weaned. Even when unknown wet nurses were employed, prescriptive authors, authors suggested that it was important that nurses were physically close and affectionate um, with their charges. John Jones, a Welsh medical writer, devoted a whole chapter to the kindness and love that should be in a nurse, stating that she should be courteous, loving, kind to her suckling. This was seen not only for the good affection of her foster father and family, but it also taught the child about natural love and made him capable of bestowing this um, in later years on, on friends um, and family. Parents were told that it was an encouraging sign um, if the nurse they had employed was willing to touch and cradle their baby. Uh, Robert Barrett complained that some nurses are huffing and bounding about and do not mind the poor child, but let it sit or lie half a day. Um, it, it was thought that a major threat in hiring a wet nurse was that the child would suffer from a paucity of, of, kind of, of contact um, and, and, uh, and communication, uh, which a mother might otherwise provide. Uh, when touch was administered by a nurse, Barrett complained, it was more often officious and fleeting than tender and prolonged. In Rebedee, he recommended that the nurse sing with a soft voice to lull it to sleep, rocking it gently all the while. Um, and this taps into a, a, another idea that wet nurses might harbour certain resentments towards the child and that singing would allow them to express this um, in, a, in a kind of a, 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 a safe way without taking it out on the child. And similarly, play is thought to be incredibly important to the nurse-child relationship, and they prescribe this as an important part of care as well. So although ideally um, a wet nurse would be a comfort to the child and treat it affectionately, the, this did not mean that early modern medical writers were comfortable with the idea that hired help might usurp the role of the mother. Um, John Jones noted that the bonds between nurse and suckling often cause strife between child and the parent, and great often unkindness, disobedience and unlawful suits between the child and the mother issueth. One way that medical writers recommended parents could ward against this kind of um, situation was by, re by uh, rewarding nurses handsomely. Jane Sharp noted that it was common practice when children come to years to be thankful that their nurse bred them up and requite their great care and pains. Um, so if a nurse was inadequately rewarded, it was believed that resentment um, between child and parent could brew. In reality, despite the warnings of medical writers and the fretful separations mothers must have undergone, offspring don't seem to have felt more attached to their nurses than mothers, and that at least isn't something that has come across in letters or diaries that I've read. Um, and although autobiographers like uh, Bolstered Whitelock and Alice Thornton stressed the role that their mothers played in their upbringing, the actual character and behaviour of the nurse, unless to be criticised, is really rarely discussed. Um, breastfeeding, in some examples, was thought to lead to an unhealthy attachment between mother and child. Sharp, for example, wrote, I've known some women so fond of their children that they would never wean them by their goodwill and persisted in the practice for three to four years. 
She observed, I seldom hear of any of them that ever come to good. Indeed, Alice Thornton berated herself for taking too much pleasure in suckling her infant. She noted, it pleased God to shorten this joy, lest I should be too much transported. Um, And the overflowing of love that she felt for her infant in the physically um, intimate act of breastfeeding um, comes close to covetousness and, and, and threatens her relationship with God. So despite the, um, the kind of indications that the, the, the relationship with a nurse was not always um, untoward, there were times in which I think parents fell back on an old stereotype of what a wet nurse um, would be. Um, that medical texts described um, wet nurses as, um, as having deformities and injuries. Um, Jane Sharp describes the clefts and chaps of the breasts um, that are usual to nurses. Um, and of the foul ulcers that might result. And this clearly um, depicts wet nursing as a profession that might have been chosen out of desperation rather than out of want. Um, Guillermo asked mothers to consider the corpulency, sorry, the corpulency and diseases of the nurse and repeated the argument that milk transferred character traits as well as physical defects of nurse to babies. And the wet nurse was also thought to be particularly prone to drinking and vice. Um, I think this is particularly worrying to parents given the innocence and um, the perceived vulnerability of babies um, while they're at nurse. Um, Alice Thornton uh, states that babies are not capable of offending others um, and that their harmlessness meant that they, uh, you know, that the the injurious dealings of nurses, as she calls the brutishness of nurses, um, would be really detrimental and catastrophic. Um, and she records an example in which her child is almost overlaid, that is, that the nurse um, is sleeping next to the child and, and almost suffocates her. Um, and, and this is particularly troubling because infants might not be able to um, wriggle away. Um, and similarly, uh, Elizabeth Freck describes the nurse as being careless um, and, and, there are, and, and, and as leaving an injury to fester, which is quite sort of um, reminiscent of these medical um, characterizations of, of, of wet nurses um, as, as being prone to vice and all sorts of kind of untoward diseases. I think the suggestion is often that these might be um, uh, diseases uh, as a result of promiscuity as well. Um, so um, I'm going to end with a really short um, case study which Laura Gowing has written about in another context um, which displays how intrinsic the notion of being an active mother was even when a wet nurse was hired. Um, in a testimony to the Essex magistrate in 1650, Susan Lay, um, who's a servant of the Beauty family, admitted, uh, admits to stealing two geese with, an assistance, uh, with the assistance rather of a female accomplice. And the trial for theft um, aroused judicial interest in the birth of two um, of Susan's two illegitimate children, one fathered by the master of the house, Francis B- uh, Beauty, and the other, the second, uh, sorry, the child of Francis's son, William. Uh, and the infants were both sent away to nurse um, to a wet nurse in St Lawrence. And the court observed that after giving birth, Susan never saw her children, but going to St Lawrence a month after found them both dead. And the woman that kept them asked her whether she would have the clothes, but she would not. So it's unclear clear whether it was the persuasion of the beauty family in a desire to keep the illegitimate pregnancy secret or under the impetus of Susan herself um, that both of her children were sent away to a wet nurse. But I think it's important that the court found it evidence of her untoward character that um, not that she would hire a wet nurse, but that she wouldn't visit her children at wet nurse. 
and that furthermore, she wouldn't accept the tokens of grief from the, uh, the wet nurse of their clothes. So I think although I've focused today on middling and upper sort families, this is largely because the sources are present um, for these groups. And I think this small case study, which I've found very few of um, elsewhere, indicates that perhaps these notions of maintaining an active role in the care of infants while at a wet nurse um, were crucial at lower levels of society as well. So I think that generally... Um, this has suggested that often um, wet nursing was a second choice for mothers um, and only um, deemed acceptable when infants or mothers were unwell. Um, I think also it's striking that often these wet nurses were not our kind of characterised um, images of an external figure that lived far away from the home, but actually often people that the family knew very well. Um, Furthermore, I think that, um, th that these wet nurses were often housed in the home, which is something that people haven't um, previously commented on, and this changes our perspective of what it was to hire a wet nurse. And I think we've, we've um, separated uh, women into those that chose to breastfeed and those that didn't in the early modern period, and that's perhaps slightly misleading given that a lot of women chose to do both. Thank you.